Welcome back to Throne Hands. Uh, we Daniel and I are going to be reviewing UFC 250. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing outstanding. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm ready to do this. So, first off, on the first off, what we're going to talk about um, our predictions. I went six for six. Daniel, how'd you do? You beat me six to two on this one. Uh, <laughs> was not a great night for me. Yeah. So it was not a great night. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So we're going to start with uh, in the prelims early prelims we got formiga versus perez what are your takeaways from this fight i mean it's this fight they talked about it uh afterwards this kind of was a testament to a trend we've been seeing across the ufc where that low calf kick has become kind of one of the most important moves that that can be utilized in the ufc today and perez ends up getting a tko by leg kicks the second one we've seen in two weeks uh, that's that's really impressive, and uh, it it really does show what the trends are in MMA right now. Yeah, for sure. Joe Rogan mentioned that um, as he's seen it more and more, people using it. Like Gaethje mentioned in his podcast, he doesn't even throw the thigh kicks anymore. He just throws low leg kicks because that's that's just straight up effective. And then Perez, you know, hit him hit Formiga twice in the leg late in the first round, and then Formiga was out. That was a mm-hmm. That was really impressive on uh, Perez's part. So what do you got next for Formiga? I don't really know because he's obviously such a great contender. I don't think uh, we're going to see much shake out in that division until the title situation gets settled a little bit. Um, so I, I don't really know where, where really much of anybody goes in that division. I think Perez obviously moves up. Uh, but otherwise, I'm, I'm not sure really where to look in this situation. Yeah, I, I see Formiga moving down one spot and then Perez moving up three. Formiga could still be ahead of him in the rankings after the new one comes out. So I think for Perez, he moves up to number five or six, and we see Formiga move below him at six or something like that, maybe five. So wouldn't you think? That would make sense. Yeah, all right. So we're going to move on to a little more intriguing matchup, uh, a very young prospect in Chase Hooper went up against Alex Caceres. So my takeaways from this were, was Hooper got humbled. Uh, he found out he could get beat, but I think this will definitely benefit him in the long run rather than the win. Yes, he would have liked the win, but I think he'll learn a lot more from this Caceres loss than he would from the win. He knew he figured Caceres figured out, you know, if we, if I keep it on the feet, I can beat this guy. And that's what he did. He, he didn't even really try to take it down. Like we said in the uh, preview episode, Caceres lives or dies by the submission. He didn't, I don't even remember him trying to submit Hooper. What are your takeaways? I thought the same thing. I think this showed that while Chase Hooper is a great young fighter and and one of the best young talents, at least at his age, we've seen in the UFC, he's got a lot of development left to do, of course, on the feet especially. He's, he's really a special talent right now when the fight goes to the ground. But he was completely outmatched by Alex Caceres on the feet, and you should expect with a guy who's got 27 professional fights under his belt, that he should outmatch a 20-year-old when it comes to strategy, and I think that's what we saw happen. Yeah, for sure. And I think 
what comes next for Caceres is I think more of the same, like more, you know, fight car, fight night cards and maybe make another main event. So I don't, I don't see much changing for him, but I think for Hooper, I don't know what's going to be next for Hooper. What do you think? I don't know. I think obviously we saw that, that Chase Hooper was booked into too far of a jump in talent and experience between his first two fights I would probably expect him to to see another opponent, uh, probably somewhat on on par with uh, who he faced off with in his in his initial uh, UFC debut. And again, I, I'm not sure I would. I'm obviously not gonna not gonna count Chase Hooper out. He's obviously an extremely talented young fighter. I just think he needs to see a step down in level of competition uh, before he can really progress much. Yeah, I definitely agree with that there. I could see him fighting another uh, Dana White contender series, uh, former prospect from that from that uh, realm, or someone who's coming in from maybe a professional fighting league. Because I think with Caceres, I think he had 22 or 23 fights in the UFC before mm-hmm. yesterday. Hooper had only had one. So this was a really big jump for Chase Hooper. So I think my next question on the agenda was, I already touched on this. How does this benefit Hooper? It benefits him because he figured out that he can lose and that there are a lot that experience will definitely carry him in the long run. Do you think, how do you think this will benefit him? I think that, that you hit it right on the head there. Uh, I mean, Alex Caceres is one of the most experienced fighters in the UFC. That was his 28th professional fight and he came up through the ultimate fighter. So like you said, nearly every professional fight he's had has been in the UFC. So I think this is the kind of thing where if you're Chase Hooper, you go back into your camp, uh, you realize what you need to work on and and you move on and you do what you need to do to progress in your career. He's obviously got a long career in front of him. So that's the biggest thing you live and you learn and you move on and you take what you uh, saw as, as deficiencies here and work on them in training. Yeah, for sure. And I think you can definitely see Hooper fight later again this year. Easily. So on to the next bout of the, that we're going to review, O'Malley versus Wineland. Well, not much to review here, unfortunately. And fortunately, fortunately for O'Malley, um, early exchanges, they were getting up in each other's pocket. And then straight right from O'Malley hit Wineland right, I mean, in the face. <laughs> There's not really much to say. What, do you, what are your takeaways from this? I think Joe Rogan said it when – he said that may be the most impressive walk-off knockout we've seen going back for a while. I mean, O'Malley just a straight right, uh, right on the chin to Eddie Wineland, a guy who uh, has been known into the past to be able to stand and throw and take some shots and give them back out too. Uh, for Sean O'Malley to, to just stick him with one big shot and put him out, and Eddie Wineland was out by the time he hit the, hit the octagon floor, that's a really impressive performance, and I think he's going to skyrocket up those uh, featherweight or bantamweight rankings pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. And so, what, so I guess I'll transition to what's next for O'Malley. I think ne- what's next for O'Malley is, you know, I think he cracks the top 15 for sure. I mean, Easily. He's, he's been on a roll, and I, I just, that's just all I see for him, top 15. And I think he, I think he wants Garbrandt next, but I don't think Garbrandt, uh, he said uh, he doesn't think Garbrandt wants that. What do you think next? I, I think Cody Garbrandt's still still a step or two above where Sean O'Malley is right now. O'Malley's obviously proven himself to be a really talented fighter, but Cody Garbrandt's a former champion uh, who, we'll talk about this later, is coming off one of the more impressive performances 
of the weekend as well. So I think the most important thing for Sean O'Malley is not to get ahead of himself. He's obviously a very talented guy, but like we saw with Chase Hooper, when you, and it's a little bit different. O'Malley's five years older and a lot more experienced than Chase Hooper. But when you take a big jump in, in talent level as a prospect, you risk getting outclassed and, and looking really bad. And I don't want to see Sean O'Malley do that. And I don't think the UFC wants to see Sean O'Malley do that. I think he has another safe fight or two ahead of him before he gets into that kind of territory. Yeah, I think we can definitely see him fight a Marlon Vera song, Yo Dog, next. I think that'd be a good, a good matchup for Mr. O'Malley. So what do you think's next for Mr. Wineland? I don't know at this point. I mean, Eddie Wineland, uh, going back, he was a champion in the WEC. Uh, so he's obviously very experienced. He's a very talented fighter. But he's, uh, again, he was a champion in the WEC. He's an older fighter. Uh, going back to that point, I believe uh, they said uh, on Saturday night, uh, he won the Bantamweight Championship uh, in the WEC in 2007. That's 13 years ago. I mean, he's, he's past his prime, but he can still kind of be that prospect gatekeeper. Honestly, similar to what I think we are going to see Alex Caceres do uh, in the future at featherweight. So I, I don't know what Eddie Wineland's next fight would be. I think it's probably uh, you'll see him fight a lot of up-and-comers and kind of be that stress test uh, for some prospects to see if they're for real. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth there. And so another question I have on here is, do you see O'Malley being a champion in the future in this division I think so I think it's it's crazy to think because that bantamweight division is so deep uh, but at just 25 years old uh, he's obviously extremely talented he obviously has the marketability and the fighting ability to get pushed up through the rankings and pushed up the card at some point I, I think it's a matter of when not a matter of if with Sean O'Malley uh, but with the depth in this division you can never tell yeah, for sure. I think I think now obviously isn't his time. There's this the top uh five of the division the top five is just stacked. I mean, yes, Sun Sal did lose just lose a Garbrett, but there's Sanhagen, Jan, Sterling, Marias, and and Jose Aldo and Munoz, like the top seven is just stacked. And it's I think it's the best division in the UFC right now for in terms of talent. So I think you can see maybe in the next three, four years O'Malley getting that title shot, but not right now with how it's with how it's going on. So we're gonna move on to the next fight, a title eliminator, I guess, for the Bantamweight division. You got Aljamain Sterling versus Corey Sanhagen. What are your takeaways from this very quick fight? We're gonna talk about this later, and it's not it's it's not gonna to come to fruition. Aljamain Sterling should be fighting for that vacant championship at Bantamweight. I, he he should leapfrog Jose Aldo into that fight. And we're going to talk about this because that fight's already scheduled. With that performance against Corey Sandhagen, who is one of the most dynamic fighters in that division, one of the best young fighters in that division, Aljamain Sterling dominated him uh, from the opening bell to the time that Sandhagen tapped and immediately passed out uh, from that rear naked choke. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is one of the most athletic fighters we've seen. He's in tremendous condition. I'm sure he can get a turnaround quickly for a title fight. I see no reason why he's being kept out of this vacant title fight, uh, but that was an extremely impressive performance, and he should be the number one contender after Peter Jan and uh, Jose Aldo 
fight for the vacant bantamweight championship. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. And I even said on before because I made this agenda Sunday night. Um, is Stilling Lock for the title fight? Well, obviously he's not because it's Peter Yan and Jose Aldo. But after that, I even San Hagen said, "Go get that belt." When they uh, dapped up yeah. at the end of the fight, and the the pressure that Sterling put on from the from the jump, early pressure took us back early. I think he had a, a real naked choke attempt bef- before the one that sum- that made San Hagen submit. So I don't get why he's not in the title. He's He's the, I think he might be the best in that division. Yeah. So what do you think is next for Corey Sanhagen? I think he takes a step down. I think he probably uh, – he's obviously somebody that the UFC likes. They wouldn't have pushed him uh, towards the top of that division that quickly if he wasn't. I think he – I'm not sure that they would make this fight. I would like to see a Corey Sanhagen-Cody Garbrandt fight, I think – that would be a really interesting match of styles. Uh, but I, I think Sandhagen probably takes a step back from the title picture. I think he got uh, pushed up into contention a little too quickly. But there are some guys in this Bantamweight division, like you said, it's so deep uh, that he can get outstanding fights with outstanding competition without uh, being in the title conversation. So whether it's Cody Garbrandt, whether whether it's somebody like Marlon Marias, who a lot like Aljamain Sterling is is really uh, being left out of this title picture right now without any good reason, I think Corey Sandhagen, no matter what happens, is going to get a great fight next. I'm just not sure who it would be against. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, we could see a Sun Sal maybe, you know, but with the, with him being knocked out against Corey Garbrandt, which we're getting to right very soon. So we don't. Sanhagen, who knows? He could fight Mariah's next. I think, I think I'd like to see that fight personally. Two, you know, very good stand-up guys. So on to the next fight that we are going to be reviewing: Garbrandt versus a Sun Sal. Now, I think Garbrandt really dominated this fight from the jump. Round one, very solid strikes against Sun Sal, and then Garbrandt was chipping away, and then right at the end of the second round, boom, right haymaker, and then face on the ground. I think that. It was, I think it was the best knockout of the night, in my opinion. What, what's, your, what's your takeaways from this fight? I'd have to agree with that. That was, that was the Cody Garbrandt we were used to seeing when he was the Bantamweight champion. And even if it was just for a flash there at the end of the second round, you can see that that fighter is still in there somewhere. There were times that, that you saw him kind of revert to what we've seen in these last three losses. He gets ahead of himself. He starts – going in too tight with a Sun Sao getting ahead of his skis a little bit. And a Sun Sao did take advantage of that. He was out striking him at least in the first round, and it was very close in the second round. Obviously, uh, Garbrandt's uh, strikes held a little bit more behind them. Uh, but then uh, right there at the end of the second round, uh, Cody Garbrandt did what Cody Garbrandt does, uh, which is take advantage of his opponent's mistakes and put their lights out. And it was – one of the more impressive knockouts we've seen recently, and I'm really excited to see him uh, progress, hopefully back towards the title picture at Bantamweight. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that work with Mark Henry when he moved to the East Coast definitely really helped him with his striking as he's arguably the best striking coach in MMA right now. And I think what's next for Garbrandt, I think he moves up, maybe fights a Sanhagen or – someone up in that 
area. He, he, he's going to fight someone in the top five next, I think. Yeah. And then I think after that, after Sterling's shot at the title, then it's Garbrandt's shot at the title if he, if he pulls strings together a couple of wins because his striking looked very improved and he looked just as quick, if not quicker, than he did back three and a half years ago when he fought Dominic Cruz. So what do you think is next for Garbrandt? I would have to agree with that. He gets into that top five situation where exactly it is I'm not sure uh, or I mean who he fights I'm not exactly sure uh, but again like I said when we were talking about the last fight I'd like to see him fight Corey Sandhagen I think those are are two of the more exciting fighters obviously we didn't see much out of Sandhagen on Saturday those are but I think those are two of the more exciting bantamweights in the UFC right now um, other than that I'm not sure who there is uh, to really challenge Garbrandt, there may be a situation where he could get a Marlon Marias. I don't know about that, though. Again, it's it's really interesting. There are so many guys in this bantamweight division that are kind of in a holding pattern because the title is vacant right now. I think we're going to see a lot of things shake out after uh, that Peter Yan jose Aldo fight as far as uh, the hierarchy in the title picture goes. Yeah, for sure. And I think when it comes to Sun Sound, what's next for him? If, I mean, I'm sure Dana White would not would want Dominic Cruz to fight someone higher up in the rankings, but I could see Dominic Cruz maybe getting a, uh, a Sun Sal getting a chance against Dominic Cruz or maybe something like a Jimmy Rivera. I think, what do you think? After Saturday, honestly, I, I would go with another guy on this card. I think Cody Stamen uh, would be a really good fight for a Sun Sal. He's coming off a really emotional win. Uh, he went out there on the prelims and put in a really great performance uh, just a week after he lost his teenage brother. And Cody Stamen is a guy that could make a run through 2020 and get towards the top of this division, in my opinion. And I think the next step to that could be a fight against somebody like a Sun Sal. Uh, he's kind of in that position in between your Sean O'Malley's and, and your Cody Garbrandt's and uh, Rafael Sunsau's. And I think Stamen is a really talented fighter. I'd like to see him fight a Sun Sal. It would be an interesting mix of styles, and I think it'd be a really good fight. Yeah, for sure. All right, so on to the main event of the evening, the, the UFC women's bantamweight champion – no, featherweight champion, my, my apologies. Um, Nunes versus Spencer. Nothing surprised me in this fight. Nothing at all. I, I expected Nunes to dominate right from the jump. What would you think? Felicia Spencer is made of titanium. <laughs> yes. That's what I took away from this fight. I took two things away from this fight. Amanda Nunes is the undisputed greatest women's fighter of all time. And Felicia Spencer is if, – if you made a Hall of Fame for UFC fighters based on stamina and, and how much – And chin. <laughs> Felicia Spencer is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That was one of the most impressive losing performances I have ever seen. She went in there with the greatest women's fighter of all time, one of the greatest fighters regardless of gender that we have ever seen, and went five rounds with her, something that Chris Cyborg couldn't do. So – Obviously, Felicia Spencer, in terms of fighting ability, was outclassed on Saturday. Uh, but I think she's got a lot left in the tank as far as her career goes. And I can't wait to see where she goes from here. Yeah, really. I mean, she looked like Tony Ferguson against Justin Gaethje out there with all those shots to the chin. But, you know, she didn't get knocked out. She was unfazed. She was completely unfazed by what Nunes was throwing at her. And I think what I could take away from Nunes is she's the best. There's you can't deny that she's the best. She's mowed through every opponent except 
except Shevchenko, but she beats she beats Shevchenko twice. I I think twice, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, twice. They, they were really they were really close fights, but she she beat her twice. Yeah, it's I she's the best. <laughs> she's the best. <laughs> I can't say yeah. any. I can't say much more than that. So, what do you think's next for Spencer? Well, she's sitting on a six month suspension right now because she ended up with a, a orbital fracture and a broken nose coming out of there, and. Honestly, these the the featherweight women's division is a little bit thin right now, uh, so I think the rankings there could be completely different from what they are right now in six months. Uh, so I don't even want to speculate what her next fight would be because she's going to need a pretty big layoff to recover from that. Yeah, so that's that's next to be determined, I guess. So who beats Nunes? Age. Age. <laughs> yeah. Retirement, you know, like, I, yeah. There, there's it, not a women's retirement. fighter that's gonna beat her on the planet right now. Yeah, I think, I think she might go for that third belt next. Honestly, yeah. For at flyweight at 125, I can see it happening. Oh, that's a big cut. That's that is a big cut. That's She's like, a big cut, and she had a hard time cutting to 135 at one point. Yeah, I mean that's true. So. I think I, that's the only challenge I can think that would yeah. challenge her. <laughs> I mean, a, a third fight with Valentina Shevchenko, maybe. Yeah. But, but uh, would they do, they probably do it at 135, I would think. It would have to be. Yeah. And you're right. I think age beats Nunez before anybody does. And I think when she, if she does get beat by a person, that's who's next up. Uh, it's changing of yeah. the guard if she, if she gets beat, which I don't see happening. So. On to some non-UFC 250-related topics now. Conor McGregor is, uh, if you could see me right now, I am quote-unquote retired. I think it's BS. He's definitely not retired. He just wants a big fight. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, that that's it. Conor's done it before. He's doing it again. He's not done. He, he would not come out of retirement to fight Donald Cowboy Cerrone and go back into retirement. Like, love Cowboy. Love what he stands for as a fighter, but he's not the the kind of fight you want to go out on. So no, he he's he's not. And Dana White said he offered Connor the chance to fight Tony Ferguson as a replacement, and Connor said no for some I reason. I did see that. I did see that. And it's just like, I mean, maybe he couldn't get out of the the land of the Shamrocks, but I don't know. But We'll see about that. Uh, he's he's kind of come back, and it's probably going to be for a title fight. I don't I don't know. He wanted to fight Usman. Maybe it's for maybe maybe he fights Anderson Silva. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows at this point? So, Jan- July eleventh, UFC two hundred and fifty one is the premiere of Fight Island, I believe. Yes. And I don't think we could be more excited. Let me tell you the three fights that are going to be on the card: the welterweight title fight. Kamar Usman versus Gilbert Burns, the Bantamweight title fight, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo, and the Featherweight, Holloway versus Volkanovski. I couldn't be more excited. This is and and this is gonna be a little bit of an embarrassing moment for me. But literally last night, and you can vouch for this, I texted our group chat uh for this podcast that was like, Hey, um, these are fights that are being talked about for 251 when ESPN reported it. Uh, and it was these three fights and like you were getting so excited about how stacked the card was and I responded I was like wait a minute only one of it's only gonna be one of these and it's gonna be the main event 
and then it comes out today that all three of them are on the same card and i am thrilled <laughs> i am i'm beyond thrilled i don't care that they're not spacing these things out i'm i'm gonna see if i can get some people together to watch this so let's go i'm gonna i think i think they're kind of jumping the gun with burns here uh, just a bit a little bit again tyron woodley was number one contender. He's a former champion. He was coming off a pretty big layoff. I'll give you that. But Gilbert Burns thoroughly dominated him throughout that fight. So is Gilbert Burns getting pushed a little too hard? Probably. But if we're thinking about it, Jorge Masvidal was probably supposed to be in this fight when, when the plans were getting put in place. And I think Gilbert Burns will be a challenge for Kamaru Usman, but I don't know if there's anybody in this division that would beat Kamaru Usman right now, regardless of who it is. Yeah, that's true. And I think with Jorge Masvidal asking to be released, he just kind of blew his chances at a, at a title fight. That, that was his, in my opinion. There's no question that that was his. He was next two, up. Yeah, two weeks ago. But now, with the way he's acting, it's, it's Burns time. I think he will definitely give Usman a challenge, but he won't beat Usman. And then with the Peter Yan jose Aldo fight – we discussed this earlier. I don't think Jose Aldo gets that, should get that shot right now, in my opinion. Yeah, but what, he's least. got one fight in the division. Yeah, really. He's got one fight at Bantamweight, and he lost it. <laughs> I know. Like we, uh, it should be Sterling. I think a lot of people agree it should be Sterling. And if, it's took, not no, if it's not Aljamain Sterling, it should be Marlon Marias. Yeah, honestly. J Sterling didn't take any damage in that fight. No! It lasted two and a half minutes. He didn't <laughs> – he can train for this fight with no consequences. That's the beauty of that fight. Peter, Peter Jan's going to win the fight, and he's going to fight either Marias or Sterling next, and everything will be fine. But the fact that Jose Otto's in this fight is ridiculous. Yeah, it, it really is. It was ridiculous that he was going up against Cejudo in the first place. Yeah. That, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. I get it. He's one of the greatest of all time, but it's not in this division. It's in featherweight. <laughs> it, it's at featherweight, and he's had one fight at Bantamweight, and he lost. You, yes, you don't get title fights from that. That's some. Uh, it's like it's like a similar situation with uh, Yo Romero uh, three three months ago when he fought uh, Adesanya. He lost two or three in a row. He lost three then, fights in a row. Yo Romero is like, absolutely. Yeah, you go. You go. Yo Romero is absolutely terrifying, and I don't want to get on a Yo Romero rant because I love Yo Romero, but he did not deserve. He, if you talk trash. He, did, he did not deserve that fight, and Jose Aldo does not deserve this fight. Yeah, I mean, Romero's like, I need this title fight, probably. I don't know, but it's, but I'm excited for the featherweight fight. Yeah. Holloway versus Volkanovski. Now, we're obviously going to talk a lot about this when we get to July 11th that week, but I can't wait for this rematch. I know. This is going to be a great fight. This, it's going to be a great fight no matter what. It's, they're, they're two great fighters. Yeah. And, I don't know. We'll see about this. And speaking of featherweights, oh, oh. Henry Cejudo said he would come back for a featherweight title fight. I was just about to say, for, for my own pleasure, Volkanovski better win this fight. I know. I want to see Cejudo. Be because I want Cejudo versus Volkanovski so bad. I think, I think he would fight Holloway, though, if Holloway does win. Probably. Probably. I mean, think about it. A three-belt, three-division champ. like <laughs> Yeah. That's insane. With an I Olympic think, gold medal. Yeah, quadruple C. And he, I, th I think he's already the best combat sport th sports athlete of all time. Yeah. And then th this will just put him at the top. There's no 
MMA, yeah. best MMA fighter ever. He's he's just that good. And yeah. I I think he wants to I forget he wants to box somebody. He was on the Joe Rogan experience yesterday. I can't remember. Yeah. And right. it was it's a it would be a big fight. Yeah, we gotta check this one out. Um sorry guys, this is great podcasting. I'm sure you, you're highly entertained. Um I'm here now. Oh nope. Nope. All right. Um let's see. Um Ryan oh, Ryan this? Garcia. Ryan Garcia, yes. He wants to fight Ryan Garcia. So we'll see how that turns out. I know he wants to box. That'll just cement him even more. I don't care if he loses. He's he, he's a professional boxer. But anyway, on to another topic. DC uh, Miocic 3 scheduled for August 15th. August 15th, right? Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> and this, yeah. Yeah, you go. I, I was just saying this is going to be a great fight. Uh, the the this it, I mean it's being billed as as the last fight between these two and I think it should maybe the last fight of either one's career honestly uh, but the fact that this got signed the fact that they did get it done that Steve is going to be able to fight uh, that DC is going to be able to fight I think uh, this is going to be outstanding the one thing the one negative about this is more than likely at least at UFC 251 on July 11th we're probably not going to get DC on commentary which is a shame because he's been outstanding the last few weeks on commentary. Yes, he, he's been great. I love listening to what he has to say. He's, he's awesome on commentary. And I know DC said on the Ariel Hawani podcast, um, this, is, this will be his last fight. He says he plans to ride off into the sunset. Good luck with that. I don't think you'll win, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Daniel, do you have any final thoughts? Um, just, just another thing about, about Stipe DC three. Um, it's going to be a great fight. The one thing I will say, if the winner does not retire, they will get caved in by Francis Ngannou. <laughs> I will say that. I would have to agree. I don't, I don't see DC faring well against, uh, Francis Ngannou. I mean, Mio just did it. He already, he already beat Ngannou. Uh, Francis is a different animal now though. Yeah. That's that's very. He's a, true. he's a whole different animal. Yeah, I think Ngannou a whole different would, a whole different predator, you might say. Yes, yes, a whole different predator. I think Ngannou probably has worked on his takedown defense after that fight because he would. Yeah. Just, it looked like a game of flag fo- uh, flag football with a dude just burying kids. Anyway, yeah. so anything else? I got nothing. I got nothing either, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, Check out other podcasts on U92 like the Draft Zone and um, U- MLSNT and uh, uh, what's the, uh, the uh, what's the uh, soccer one? Sons of Pitches. Sons of Pitches. Yes, check those out on SoundCloud. At uh, you can just search U92 in the search bar; it'll pop right up. Anyway, Daniel, thank you for coming back. It's yes, always sir. a pleasure, and I'll see you in a couple of days, and yes, we will sir. see you next time for uh, Fight Night I versus Calvillo.